Well, hi, Alec. It's really nice to see you today. Yeah, good to see you too, Leslie. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, thank you for having this conversation with me. So you reached out to me um, a little while back and we had a conversation for your channel, which is The Way Forward. And I had, I had seen some of your things before that, but not a ton. And I've since followed you more. And something I really have appreciated is your openness and your enthusiasm and your, your genuine interest in the people that you're talking with and the things that you're talking about. And you said that you hadn't really talked about the social justice issue too much before our discussion. Mm -hmm. And likewise, this is a little bit of a departure from the sort of topics that I've usually been having and the sort of guests that I've had on this channel in that I've usually been talking with people who have um, a psychology or education focus and staying around the field of education and counseling. And your focus has been a little bit different, but something that yeah. you've talked a lot about that I, I really, I would love to get more of your perspective on is the illusion of authority. I listened to your podcast the other day with Chris, is it Linsum? Linscombe, yeah. Linscombe, yeah. yeah. And he's I found a Pacific it, Northwest guy too, by the way. Yeah, he said he lives in Washington. I heard that. That's cool. So something that I have really been thinking a lot about is this, the groupthink, groupthink mentality, authority, and the way that people go along with things that they don't agree with. Why do we do that? How do we do that? When do we do that? And how do we break free of it? And so that was, if that's something I'm really interested in, in talking with you about, if you want to go there. Yeah. And to get started, would you mind just sort of introducing yourself a little bit in case people, some people will know you and some won't. So just a little background on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So um, obviously my name's Alex Zek. I uh, am a former army captain, um, West Point grad, and uh, I, I guess you could say my awakening journey, so to speak, I, I hate calling it that because there's a lot of negative connotation associated with it or like, a, um, you know, self-righteousness that, you know, the, the tone surrounding that seems to be somewhat of self-righteous and that's not the case at all. But my awakening to just general government corruption into the nature of health, natural health, the pharmaceutical industry and its corruption within government um, began around 2016 right when I commissioned as the second lieutenant in the army after graduating from West Point. And that came about because of a two different situations that I witnessed both in my mom and in my wife, uh, who are both chronically ill under the care of, of conventional psychiatry for my mom and then conventional, um, I guess you could say autoimmune conditions, conventional rheumatology for my wife. And both of them being chronically ill for nearly 10 years um, and then drastically healing after adopting just simple natural approach, approach to health, getting off all of their respective medications. My mom, benzodiazepines and SSRIs that were honestly making her more and more sick. Um, and then my wife was on a series of immunosuppressive drugs, Plaquenil, hydroxychloroquine being one of them, and then several other things, Citalopram. Um, and after getting off their medications, tapering off of them and just adopting a more natural approach to health, they both drastically healed. And 
you know, as an example, and my, my wife in a matter of four months had reversed all of her autoimmune symptoms that she had dealt with for nearly nine and a half years that multiple rheumatologists told her she would always suffer with, that she would always be chronically ill. She'd always be in, need to be on a full gambit of drugs. Um, and those drugs led to more symptoms, which led to more drugs. And it was this never ending wheel. And we had conversations talking about how we would never be able to get pregnant, how she'd probably end up in a wheelchair. She would die before I did all these conversations. And those never sat right with me to begin with. I don't know if that was my intuition or if it just didn't really make sense. But after we adopted this natural approach to healing, she drastically healed and had blood work to show that her sed rates, the inflammation level, um, her ESR in her, in her blood had gone down to normal levels for the first time in nearly 10 years. And the doctor was kind of like, oh, it seems like the, the drugs are working for you. And we were like, we're not on any. <laughs> She's not on any drugs. So that just sent me down a never-ending journey of questioning everything and at first it started with more just the nutritional side of things and then went into benzodiazepines and SSRIs, some more of the psychotropic medications and then inevitably to to shots um i know we're probably on youtube so i'll be careful with my language um which which just then inherently the government is involved in that so that led to looking into three-letter agencies which led to looking into 9-11 and so many other things and then mm -hmm. by the time this whole nonsense of the last three years began um at the very beginning i actually made a video february 29th 2020 before any lockdowns masking or anything like that popped up in the u.s and the mainstream media was barely starting to cover it i said that this no doubt would be used for mandatory shots for all people and mm -hmm. of course that was the case and i just saw the writing on the wall because i had uh you know some some childhood things i don't need to get into necessarily for the sake of this conversation but um i can refer people back to other episodes and send to you to put in the, in the show links but mm -hmm. i i was exposed to high high amounts of uh manipulation gaslighting and uh scapegoating um when i was younger and have subsequently healed a lot of that so I can recognize it really easily. So that coupled with seeing two people chronically ill in conventional allopathic medicine, then leave that system for what the allopathic system calls pseudoscience and quackery mm -hmm. and drastically heal. And then this whole charade happens in the same exact scenario as playing out on a grander scheme. So I saw through it immediately and began speaking out and amassed a following somehow and now here i am talking to you so well it sounds like it was quite a paradigm shift for you mm -hmm. that process of and i i like how you you said you acknowledged this sort of strange arrogance around the the phrase waking up because yeah. i i feel that as well i don't i i don't know exactly how to articulate this process of sort of unfolding your mind and seeing things from a different perspective without use that's such an easy way to say it yeah. but it does sort of imply that you're in a better place than someone else and i i kind of bristle at that myself so i i resonate with what you just how you how you spoke about that it's like a process of unbecoming i think that's like the best way to describe it i look at it as we have all these things impressed upon us all these ideologies all these concepts all these um you know things that we're taught are, are objectively true that may not actually be true that we have to sort of take apart layer by layer and look at. And that doesn't mean all of it's nonsense. That doesn't mean all of it is false, but we have to look at each of, uh, each of the situations in isolation and sort of think to ourselves, um, 
you know, taking the spectrum of available in, information on any given topic and filtering it through the lens of our own experience, our own mm -hmm. intuition, our own research and come up with what makes sense for us. And that's kind of what I've done on all of these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it is interesting how once you start to um, perceive things differently in one area that you've taken for granted, it really opens your mind to asking more questions about everything. So it's, it's quite an unfolding. And I, I sort of think of it as deinstitutionalization of your brain, you know? <laughs> so. Exactly. Yeah, I, I really had kind of a wake up moment myself in reading John Taylor Gatto, if you're familiar mm -hmm. with him. And I'm I was, not actually. Oh, you might enjoy his work. He's, he okay. was a, a school teacher um, his whole career, but he's considered the father of the unschooling movement. Okay. And so as a homeschooling family, this is something I had to sort of work through how, what was going to be our approach with homeschooling? Was it just going to be school at home or were we going Which to be doing something different? Which is the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. so surprised I haven't heard of him because I'm really big into unschooling and self-directed learning. So that like, I'm shocked that I haven't heard of that name. I probably should know that name. So There's a very short book called Dumbing Us Down by John mm -hmm. Taylor Gatto. I'll put it in the link in the, in the notes under the video and I'll, I'll send it to you too. Um, and it is just a collection of his speeches and it's amazing. It's really, really helpful at getting a perspective on or a different perspective on the compulsory education system and what it's for and what it does and why it doesn't work. Awesome. I mean, it works if you want to create an obedient workforce, but it doesn't work if you want to create individuals that are free thinking and creative. And, and I, and I think that's where it starts. I've often said that is that it starts in not only the public school systems in the United States and other Western countries and really the whole world at this point, I would, I would imagine falls under this to some degree. Um, but it also in private school systems, uh, this conditioning into obedience to authority and regurgitating information that they are taught that is impressed upon them that is supposed to be for lack of a better term taken as fact without any critical thought and any offering of an alternative perspective on it. Um, and, and what that leads to is an adult population of blindly obedient people who just look to authority figures on any respective issue and look to what they think, and then they adopt that position. And this sort of is, is getting into the topic of the illusion of authority as it pertains to government. And the, the second thing that's wrong there with respect to laws, codes, acts, and statutes within the context of democracy or a republic, because I know a lot of people say that we're supposed to be a constitutional republic, but in either case, what happens, whether we're a democracy or a constitutional republic, is that the opinions of the majority, if it is working properly, and let's let's assume for this case it is, um, the the opinions of the majority on what is a you know supposed to be essentially a moral position are then adopted and then imposed upon not only the majority minority but also the rest of the majority though the the whole entire population of people and what happens when the majority is extremely misled on a topic then that misleading fundamental approach is then pushed on the rest of society and what happens when 
we have these laws, codes, acts, and statutes. And from a young age, we're conditioned into obedience. And the laws, codes, acts, and statutes may not reflect what the the moral position actually is on a topic. And of course, we could look at any given topic and, and sort of run it through this lens. But the point is, it may not actually reflect the true moral position on something. Take, for example, any marijuana laws. And a lot of those are falling down in the United States. Um, there are several other examples. But the point is, what happens is, these same people who were, were taught to be obedient to authority when they were younger in the school system then grow up and they look to these people that are telling them these laws, codes, acts, and statutes, and they conflate that with a moral position where they're not having to wrestle with their own moral position and figure out what makes sense for them morally. And they just look to what the prevailing experts and the authority figures are saying, and then they adopt that as the moral position. And that's how we end up, in my mind, in large part, with a very immoral, morally bankrupt society. Um, it's, it's akin to taking a child and saying, no, because I said so, mm-hmm. versus, hey, we probably shouldn't take that from your sister because she was using it. How mm-hmm. would you feel if you did that? Maybe you should think about it for a little bit and tell me how you feel, allowing them to cultivate that moral position rather than having someone dictatorially tell them this is the way that it is because I said so. Mm-hmm. And then you just constantly look to authority on any given position. That's what we have right now in society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a reflexive obedience yep. through training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, it's clearly taken us to some strange places right now. I think a lot of us would agree that what we're mm-hmm. seeing is, um, is a lot of mob rule and a lot of this group think. Um, I've, I've tended to think, you know, we, we, we hear people call people sheep a lot. You know, that's one, one of the derisive sort of terms for the blind followers of, of any kind of authoritarian um, policy, ideology, et cetera. And something that I've, I've thought a lot about is that this whole idea of, of going with the herd, it, it's not just this, I, this sort of um, authoritarian programming, but it's also something that's a beautiful characteristic of people is this desire to be one with others, to be communal, to be um, caring and to be a part of something greater. I think that that's, it's, it's not correct to just demonize that as if it's something that's, that's all bad. What's bad is that it can be co-opted and exploited mm. yeah and that we can have you know if, if everything's a spectrum you can have too far into this and you want to have some sort of a balance between critical thinking and individual decision making versus um going along with the the greater populace on something but that again i i feel like we're in such a time of polarity when everybody wants to see things in black and white and in all mm-hmm. good and all bad and and so uh, you know, that those, that's not really a question. It's just some thoughts that I've been kicking around and trying to figure out how to articulate. And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I'll say this to just like get the cat out of the bag. I consider myself an anarchist and a softer way to say that would be a voluntarist. And essentially what that means is that all interactions and agreements and contracts between any individual organization or entity requires the voluntary consent of all parties involved. That's simply what it says. So that as it, as you know, we relate to government right now, 
I didn't sign any contract with the government when I was younger and I was never presented a way to opt out of that contract without being extorted or having something, you know, come up where they uh, put me in jail essentially for, for not abiding by that non-existent contract. And, um, with, with a voluntarist lens, that would never be the case. And of course, people can look back at the birth certificate and say that was technically a contract signed by your parents. And there's a lot of stuff about the social security number, all those things. But for the sake of what I'm saying, I never personally signed that contract. Mm -hmm. And so that's the position that I take when it comes to like a political, philosophical, social framework for for life. Um, but within that, there there is a a mindset of some people that seems to be so individualistic and it's individualistic absent of, of the cultivation of morality piece that I just um, discussed. And I think that is equally harmful to be so unbelievably ind individualistic that it's like, I can do whatever the hell I want to, as long as I'm just not infringing upon you. And that idea would then again, in my mind, down the line, breed immorality again. Mm -hmm. And someone mentioned to me yesterday, I was on a call and rather than calling it anarchy and even a better term than voluntarism would be synarchy. Cause it's this idea that we, we should all have our individual rights to do whatever we want to do without impose, as long as we're not imposing upon others or infringing upon others but we still need to understand the fundamental operating principle that we are social creatures and we are interdependent that we rely on each other and that's what um charles eisenstein a good friend of mine calls interbeing and it's taking this this voluntarist anarchist approach and saying that we are more than just individuals though we should retain our individual rights our uniqueness and not have anyone infringe or impose upon us not be coerced or manipulated or forced into any contracts or social agreements but we still need to be cultivating an understanding that we are all interconnected and that we all rely on each other and i think there there's obviously a a split between people sort of siding with individualism and then siding with collectivism and i think mm -hmm. the correct approach would be like collectivized individualism or something like mm -hmm. that it's mm -hmm. like yes we are all interacting as individuals and in everything that i just said but we need to recognize that we are social creatures that rely on each other that feed off of each other so if we're not cultivating the necessary morality associated with that then we're still setting ourselves up for failure societally Hopefully that answered your question. I don't know if it did. No, I think it does. I think that's really fascinating. And I, I think when I hear, when I hear the word anarchy, I think of chaos. That's the thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. I think of like just chaos and kind of selfish brutality. You know, that's mm -hmm. the connotation I think that comes to mind, but what you're describing. And, and as I've, I've been listening to dialogues about this, I, I feel like I'm sort of in this like inchoate space politically where I'm back to unformed, you know, yeah. I always considered myself to be on the left. I don't re relate with what I'm seeing on the left. I'm resonating a little bit more with some of the stuff on the right, but not enough to say that I'm on the right. And so, I, you know, here I am in the, the radical center and, um, and I'm still forming my, my own opinions and thoughts. And so I don't feel like I have you know, I, 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 I'm hearing things that you're saying that make sense, but then it seems like it opens up more questions also. So for sure it does, you know, yeah. I don't, yeah, but it's, it's really, when you say, 
it's back to the polarities, you know, the individualistic yeah. versus the collectivistic. And I'm, I, yeah, I mean, there's, I was having a conversation with somebody just the other day about when do you say speak out against the topic that, that I've been talking a lot about is the social justice ideology that's coming through people's workplaces and schools, et cetera. People are feeling really intimidated if they disagree they are terrified sometimes to speak up because they don't want to lose their job. They don't want to get kicked out of school. They don't want to be ridiculed in front of other people. They don't want to be called a racist, a homophobe or a transphobe or whatever it is, it, you know, in the moment, all the reasons that people keep quiet when their conscience is telling them to speak up. If everybody were to stand up who feels like they want to, if everybody were to say, no, I'm not going to, we're not going to, go there, we would be, we would solve this problem right now. But that would be, that. but to insist that everybody do that is to insist on collective action. It's a paradox, it, right? Yes, it is. It's absolutely, yeah. A, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, similar to your example, I, you might've remembered this from the podcast and I've used this example so many times, like the, the Canadian trucker convoy mm -hmm. example, right? Like, mm -hmm. I recognize that for a brilliant display of unity mm -hmm. and a brilliant display of, of how many people are mm -hmm. on the, the side of true freedom mm -hmm. um, when it comes to, to health freedom and being able to make one's own health decisions without coercion or force. And I think it raised a lot of awareness to this issue. Mm -hmm. However, and this is, this is my big however, had that same number of people simply stayed home and chose and just made the decision to live a life as they see fit, which doesn't require or necessitate belligerence or hostility or any of those things towards any so-called authority figures. Just simply say, no, thank you. That's not for me. I'm going to mm -hmm. not wear this. I'm not going to take this thing and I'm going to choose to be free. I would guarantee that they would have never had to have the convoy in the first place. And further, that convoy, what they were doing, they were signaling you have legitimate authority over me and we don't like its form and the way that it is uh you know delivered to us we want it to be a little bit different but they were still in doing that recognizing that the this this government had any authority to tell them what to do and that's what i mean by the illusion of authority mm -hmm. can like can you find me authority in in reality can you actually find it no it's it's a mental mm -hmm. construct and what i mean by that is if everyone who authentically did not want to comply with any of these things the last three years simply just said, no, thank you, it's not for me, mm -hmm. then there's nothing that they could have done. And people will always bring up the example of Australia and say there was a lot of people in Australia that tried to do that and that were thrown in jail for extended periods of time or, or Canada or some of these other places. And the reality is from, from my perspective, and I'm saying this as someone who previously was very, very against gun ownership. <laughs> so I want to be clear here um, where I'm coming from, uh, is that in the United States, we have not succumbed to the level of tyranny down that, that line enough where Australia and Canada has, where they all collectively agreed that these men and women had the right to tell them that they weren't able to own something for the sake of self-defense, uh, probably under the guise of, and, and they, probably people did die and make mistakes and, you know, there's bad human beings out there. But the point is they'll then use those situations to 
infringe upon our rights and that's what makes it harder for places like australia and canada and some of these other countries to mm-hmm. say no and not allow these people to step in and encroach upon them and mm-hmm. i think that in the u.s we still retain that but we're sort of at a, a, a di- divergence amongst society where people are going along with that and then other mm-hmm. people are going the opposite way and it's again it's not it's authoritarianism versus liberty rather than left versus right. Cause there is authoritarianism on both mm-hmm. like the far right and the far left to some degree, but it's, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like looking at this as a left versus right thing. It's simply authoritarianism versus uh, liberty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot that you said there that I feel like I could take, I want to ask you like six different questions and take the six different directions no it's awesome but one thing i really want to come back to is the thing about the truckers and i i heard you say that in the podcast that that i'm referring to and i i thought it was it was food for thought and i i you're absolutely right if everybody would have just made the best or their their individual choice according to their own conscience and i won't even give it value i won't even say best i'll just say mm-hmm. their own choice because clearly it was the choice that they were coming together to represent as a collective, if they would, if they had been able to tap into the personal autonomy to make that choice in their own life, individually, en masse, the problem wouldn't have gotten to where it was, mm. to the point where they were there to, to protest that. And, and your point is well taken also about the protest being sort of a it's like you negate something by negating something, you posit that thing by coming out and saying you don't have authority over me, you're positing that that somebody has is claiming that and you're kind of giving it credit yeah exactly so there's that's a good point as well and then but what i thought about was all of the false authority signals all so i think that there's this again we go we go back to and i i've all i've used this example before but um the latin root for gregarious is the same latin root as the word egregious you know Mm -hmm. to be part of the herd gregari you know and you want to be a part of the herd. You don't want to be out from the herd. We have that human impulse to want to be a part of something bigger and connect to other people. And so when you have these organizations trying to force people and coerce people into certain behavior, you know, social conditioning, as we've seen that going back to the trucker um, convoy, they were receiving lots of false social signals as well as real social signals to tell them that this is how the herd is behaving and you need to act this way. Mm-hmm. And so that pressure is very hard to resist and coming together gave people the morale and gave them some yeah. other social signals to refer to, to look around them and say, no, I am really part of a herd. I really am part of a bigger group. And there is, it's like a reality check yeah. in a way. And I don't know. I'm not really arguing for that. It's just interesting. No, you're absolutely spot on though, because like it, it allows people to know that they're not alone. I'll mm-hmm. use the example of when I was in the U S army. Um, and I was in the army until April of 2021. So well over a year into this, this whole nonsense of the last three years. And for that whole year, I felt so freaking alone. And it was kind of a thing where I was speaking up on social media, but on social media, really obfuscating that I was still in the army Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to get in trouble by the military. And that ended up happening anyway, Mm -hmm. when the guardian wrote a hit piece on me. But the point is I felt very alone because I was too scared to speak up at work. 
mm-hmm. least loud enough to where other people would find and agree with me. Like people knew that I was into holistic health. People knew that my kids had never received any shots and that my wife healed herself and all these things, but mm-hmm. not loud enough to where I was really truly being authentic. And I, and I recognize that. And that's like, it's, it's such a, it's such a catch 22 because like you're, you're pointing to here is that, that, that herd mentality, um, is not necessarily a bad thing because again, that's, that's our nature is to, is to be social creatures and be in a pack of sorts. But just like you said, it can be manipulated and used against us and we can be given false social signals. We can be given false signals and false information all, all across the board that then causes us to behave in a certain way. But I think it's like, I recognize it's much easier for me to have recognized that from the very beginning because of these experiences that I had, which sort of makes me go back to anytime I used to get really frustrated with how people could not see through what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, And I would, I would get really frustrated. I would always fall back on the reminder that had I not had the experience that I had, I don't know that I would be able to see either. Mm Ultimately, the reason I was able to see was because I had that experience. The overwhelming majority of my friends that went to West Point with me did not see through any of this nonsense. Some of them are starting to now because it's becoming so unbelievably nonsensically ridiculous at this Mm -hmm. point. But the point is, they didn't see it at the very beginning either. They didn't see it halfway through. And it's it's, it's such a catch-22 because on the flip side of that, I think there was enough people that did see something wrong that mm-hmm. did feel intuitively that was something was wrong or did know definitively that there was something very clearly wrong with this mm-hmm. that were simply too afraid to speak up because of the negative side of that herd mentality too afraid to act in accordance with their own moral position mm-hmm. because of that herd mentality and because of fear again of authority and what authority would do mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. that's where my message has really switched over the last 18 months it's all of this in my mind comes back to that fear of authority, fear of what authority figures will do to us. And if we look at, at least in the United States, everything that's happened in the last three years, the overwhelming majority of things that happened did require our consent for it to mm-hmm. happen. Whether that was expressed consent or implied consent, whether in, you know, I acknowledge we were coerced into giving our consent, we were manipulated, we were propagandized, indoctrinated into giving our consent, but no one forced us to do anything. Mm-hmm. You could say that a person who you know was in a job setting and their their uh, employer was telling them they had to get this product in order to maintain their job, they were coerced heavily. But when you look at situations again where uh, I, I can think of a situation of, um, of, I think it was a law firm in, I forget where, but like all of the members of that law firm sort of came together as individuals, uh, in a collective and said, no, we're not doing this. And then that mm-hmm. law firm dropped the mandate. Mm-hmm. And that shows again, that the power is in our hands and it can't be an individual thing. It has to be individuals expressing themselves authentically and then coming together as a collective Mm -hmm. based on that individual position. Yeah, I, I, that is, and that again, that that's the paradox. Yeah. But it's yeah, very well said. And when you're, when you're talking about the people that you were frustrated with, that you, 
you wanted them to see it the way that you saw it and you were frustrated that they weren't able to. And then you refer back to these experiences in your own life that sort of primed you to be able to have a different perspective and a different level of awareness of what was going on. And, and the people who, so I'm, I'm kind of picturing, I'm articulating this kind of sloppily, but I'm picturing two camps here. And I, the people who are still hostile to a different perspective, they are yeah. still very much in sway to this authoritarianism. Let's, you know, I'm, and I'm, we could talk about lockdowns, we could talk about social justice. I think a lot of it is coming from the same place and it, yeah. it uses the same playbook. So it doesn't really matter which one we're, um, we're, we have in mind, but there's people who are, who are true believers and haven't seen it differently yet. And then there's people who are seeing it, but are cowed into silence because they're afraid of consequences. They're afraid of authority, et cetera. I, I sort of think of myself as talking more to that second group mm. because the first group, I don't know what it is going to take or if they will ever. And, and maybe we should, you know, there's also the argument for just respecting that people have different opinions than you. Yeah. And so do you really have the right to try to change somebody's mind? I don't know that, that I, that I feel like I do. Um, but that second group, a group of people who are also concerned about the sort of social movements that, that we were talking about, but don't know how to be a part of pushing back and are sort of inadvertently or unwillingly aiding these movements with their silence or with their collective inaction. I get so many responses to my videos, especially the first ones when I was talking mostly about my experience with Antioch, just over and over, you're so brave, you're so brave. Thank you. You're so brave. You're so courageous. And I think I didn't really feel like I was that brave. But what I'm seeing is that people are looking for that. They, uh, We have cultural values that go in that direction. People want that. People want to, they, they value bravery. They value, and it was something that you said, um, it was doing the hard right thing. Over the easier wrong. Over the easier wrong. Yeah. And yeah. I liked that because that's, and I think that what I'm, what I'm seeing when I see those responses and those comments is that that's a value that people, that many, many people share and want to embody mm -hmm. and want to figure out how they can mm, sort of take those kind of actions in their own lives. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on breaking free of, of groupthink? I know it's, it comes down to an individual decision for every single person but again it, it, it's fear of what others will think it's mm -hmm. fear of how an authority figure will respond whether that's a government your employer your mom your dad your friends your family you could sort of label all of those as authorities to some degree mm -hmm. um it, and I'll, I'll reverse this by asking you a question mm -hmm. was it scary at first for you to speak out yeah it was really scary especially in the class i mean i was terrified i would shake and and at the same time now and i expected that answer after mm -hmm. having spoken out do you feel more free now than you were before yeah, absolutely yeah do you feel that it was a benefit in hindsight for you to speak out absolutely every single person that i've spoken to without exception that has spoken out 
stood up. Some of them were fired and are now holding their employer accountable for wrongful termination, mind you. Mm -hmm. Every single person that I've spoken to, and some of them could have been lying to me, <laughs> but every single person that I've spoken to that I know personally that has spoken out, whether it's a social justice thing, this, this whole pandemic thing, any of it, mm -hmm. that has taken an authentic approach, simply chosen to be authentic, stand for what they believe in, which does not require belligerence, does not mm -hmm. require hostility, does not require othering people. It requires that you just simply share your authentic perspective, stand for it and live by it and not allow others to impose or infringe upon it. Everyone I've talked to has said that it was the best decision that they've ever made. Every one of them. And that's my message because there's a lot of people out there that are still too afraid to stand up and say something. Mm -hmm. But what, what so many of us don't realize is that there are other people around us who think similarly. And it's not about thinking similarly. It's just that they see that there is something wrong Mm -hmm. with any of these things happening. There's something that, that, that just doesn't make sense. And they're either looking for validation because they themselves are on the fence or they're looking for validation because they themselves are too scared to speak up. So if you can be that one person to speak up and take action and just simply start living authentically, whatever that looks like, so long as you're not infringing or imposing upon other people, that bravery allows other people to do the same thing. And I can guarantee you Yes, it will probably be very freaking hard, but mm -hmm. on the backside of that, it will be one of the best decisions you've ever made. How can you possibly be true to yourself and be living fully freely as you actually are if you're allowing other people to dictate how you behave? Well, I think that's a really, that's a very well articulated, very powerful message and I couldn't have possibly said that better. Thank you for putting that into words. Yeah, I think I think it's as simple as that. I, I interviewed this guy. Um, if you haven't listened to this episode, I highly recommend it. I interviewed okay. this guy, Vinny Tolman. He, uh, he had what's called an after-death experience. So it's like a subset oh, cool. of the near-death experience community where he was literally zipped up in a body bag, legally pronounced dead, body in rigor mortis, wow. no, no pulse, no breath. And you know, ventured into the afterlife. And of course, like one could say that this was something that happened within his consciousness as his body was dying. But the point is, in his experience of the afterlife, after he was subsequently revived and, and he shares, one of the most or the most important principle that he learned from his guide, as he describes, he learned 10 principles when he was in the afterlife. Number one was authenticity. Hmm. That was the most important principle. And it was a crazy interview when you watch it and you look back at any of my other content, that was the most important thing for me to share over these last three years was, was authenticity, simply just being authentically you and not allowing others to infringe or impose upon that. And again, it's not being authentic and then taking a belligerent or hostile stance or infringing or imposing upon other people. It's just standing truly for what you believe in and living and expressing it and not allowing others to tell you how to live. Well, I can't wait to watch that. That sounds absolutely fascinating. And I think that's, it is true for me. I really uh, just, it's really hard to live with any dishonesty. Mm. I prefer not to. I'm kind of an open book and I, I like it that way. And um, uh, yeah, that, that is a really good,
thing to highlight from that experience because I think that when you're, I, and I, I talk to so many people who are struggling with feeling like they can't talk mm -hmm. in their relationships or in their job or in school. And um, I think that it, it sort of eats you out. It eats you from the inside out yeah. when you are stifling important parts of yourself in order to get along. And I get that's a huge topic. I, I'm like wanting to get into it, but I also, uh, I know we have a limited amount of time. So. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, well, so we'll just kind of keep this short and sweet. I would love to talk to you again at some point if you want to and yeah. uh, kind of go into some of these, all the different tangents I feel like. I would be. love to, yeah I, yeah. I really enjoy talking with you, so yeah. I, I would love to. Awesome, I really enjoy talking with you too. And I'm, I'm if you have some, specific episodes that you want me to highlight in the notes and you want to send those links to me or just send me the episode number I can pull the links yep. and do you have any other recommendations for people or um want to give your your own links and promote your your stuff yeah so one of the one of, one of my main mess messages lately has been um the, the the use of manipulative fear tactics that I see coming from both sides and like specifically speaking to this situation regarding what's happened the last three years, um, which I won't mention because of censorship, but you, you get what I'm mm -hmm. alluding to here. Um, I see a lot of people now on the, the health freedom side of things who are now using the exact same fear tactics just in a, diff a different flavor of it to manipulate people into the health freedom position. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, manipulation tactics regarding how many people, X number of people are gonna die after receiving these products and things like that. And I, right. I do acknowledge, I mean, I had a series for my former organization where you interviewed people who were harmed and there is harm associated with those things, but those same fear tactics are just as bad and here's why. Mm -hmm. I always share this stat. Um, the second strongest risk factor for death, mm -hmm. death regarding this thing that mm -hmm. happened the last three years, according to the a, a study published by the CDC in July of 2021, was fear slash anxiety related disorders. That was wow. the second strongest risk factor for death. Again, fear slash anxiety related disorders, which mm -hmm. would imply that those are people who had already had a diagnosed fear and anxiety related disorder, mm -hmm. not accounting for what I would imagine to be the large number of people who are in a perpetual state of fear and anxiety and wound up in the hospital room, disappear, everything that happened. And, and the point of me saying that is more than trying to condition people into our perspective, mm -hmm. we need to help empower people to be authentic and empower people to dispel any fear. That is the most important thing here. And then, and then speaking to that a little bit more directly as it pertains to health, we need to help people understand that if they treat their body as a temple, if they treat their body well, they can be well. Mm. That's it's it's as simple as that. So that's that's been one of my main messages lately, and that's what I'd like to leave people with. And I'll just send you my links to share in the show notes. Well, that's really interesting, and I love that. And I think that um, I didn't realize that 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 statistic. I I'll send you that. the study. It's, yeah, it's, I would love yeah. to. Yeah, crazy. That's, and so when you. Yeah, I'll, one of the thoughts I've had about the whole, you know, last couple of years, this, the virus and whatnot, the, the 
the plan pandemic or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> yeah. um, is that either you were, most people were either terrified of the illness or they were terrified of the government overreach. Yeah. So it was everybody in fear, you know? And so yeah. that it's, it's interesting what you're saying there. I, I, I'm, my mind is working faster than my mouth, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I'd love to look at this. I know, I know what you're about. getting at though. I know yeah. what you're getting at though. Yeah. And it, it, it's like the, it's not that the, like the, the centrist approach on anything is the best position. It's mm -hmm. that like whatever stance you take, it needs to be a stance. I don't want to say absolved of fear because natural, like a natural human tendency to have like some situations are inherently fearful, but the point is not to remain in a perpetual state of fear and mm -hmm. dissolve as much fear as we can and understand that, you know, there is no, like the, the government's this, this is such a, I don't, I don't want to go down a long tangent right now, either. <laughs> but the, the, the point is, is that we need to be dispelling fear regardless of the position that we take. That's the, that's the point. That is the point. Mm -hmm. Because I, I think that we, we have been conditioned to, to d diminish the significance that, that our own beliefs and our own conditioning and our own thought patterns plays into the way that we approach other human beings, the way that we approach relationships, the way that our health expresses, our symptoms express, all those things. And I think that our mind and our connection to something higher than ourselves is the most important thing, the most important factor at play here, whatever that looks like for you. I'm not here to give like a religious, uh, you know, soliloquy, but you, you get what I'm saying. It's, it, mm -hmm. I think that that is severely, severely downplayed and that is the most important piece regardless of which position you take on any given issue. Well, I, that's really inspirational. And I, I, I love that. I would love to hear what people think about that. If you guys wanna comment, under the video and let's have a dialogue about it because I, I really love the way you're framing it and thank you alec for for this great conversation and uh i will go ahead and stop the video now awesome thank you for having me leslie yeah thank you boom hopefully i didn't ramble too much no that's so good i love it <laughs>